You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbox at letstalktorah.gmail.com. And, of course, I will answer as many questions as I can. You know, we start my intro with tradition. So tomorrow, I better remember, um, I have a tradition. And I don't know how I start these things. I just have no idea. Somehow, many years ago, uh, in school where I teach, so every month at the beginning of the Jewish calendar of the month, so uh, we would have uh, different things to do with the boys, uh, whether it was projects or stories. So always the beginning of the month before the Purim holiday, um, I would tell a story. And, of course, I make up an elaborate story which is completely silly, and the plot itself takes about two minutes to tell, but all the side parts make the story 40 minutes long. Um, and I created a character called Mr. Banana. And Mr. Banana basically, obviously, eats bananas, and it's a funny way of eating bananas. He throws the, 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 the banana peel, and the, and the other guy in the story, or the mayor, always slips on the banana peel and goes crashing down the stairs, whatever. I mean, for first, second, third, and even fourth graders, it's a very entertaining, funny story. And somehow, along the way, um, I found a banana costume. You know, they have those Chiquita banana costumes where you, like, you, it's, it's like a felt and you, you put this banana costume on. It's got a thing for your head and a circle and a thing for your arms and for your legs. And it's quite entertaining. So tomorrow, even though we can't do what we normally do because of Corona, we can't get all the boys together. But somehow, whatever we're, we're planning with our social distancing, um, I'm pretty sure I need to remember my banana costume. Now, no one told me if I'm telling the story. So I'm going to have to make one up. I always make one up. It takes about four minutes to come up with a plot because the rest of the story is the same. You know, it would have been smart if I would have kept like a, a notes of my stories from the last 15 years because I only tell the story to first, second, third, and at best fourth graders. So that really means every five years I can do a repeat. I just don't remember what I say from one year to the next. But one of these days. But in any case, so that leads me into children. We love children, I hope. And on this show, we like to talk about children and what we should be doing for children, how we should be helping children. And uh, this week's Torah portion talks about children. Um, maybe not on the helping scale, but uh, hopefully we can figure it all out. So there's, there's a lot of laws in this week's Torah portion, a lot of monetary laws, a lot of courtroom judges' laws, Watchman laws, damages, uh, piles, like a lot, a lot of laws. And, and sometimes, like, you know, it's like, you knock it out, one verse, next verse, next verse, one, one law after another. So I would like to discuss three verses in a row and how the Torah sets them up, and I think there's a lot to learn from it. And I think it'll surprise some of you, some of the laws. Law number one, if a child hits their parent and causes a wound, meaning causes the child, the parent to bleed, the child actually um, 
will receive a death penalty. Now, of course, there has to be witnesses and there has to be warning. But I'll give you the picture. If a child, we're talking about an adult child, so he's over 13 or a girl over 12, who on purpose will hit their parent to cause a wound that will bleed. In other words, the witnesses have to know before the child hits that if you do this wound, it, uh, the punishment is a death penalty. That's number one. Next, if somebody were to kidnap someone and sell that person, um, again, it comes with a death penalty. And then we have the third law that I wanted to discuss, and that is if a child curses their parent, there could be the cursing needs to use God's name also, but if they are to curse their parents using God's name, um, that also carries with it a death penalty. So, uh, first of all, we got to understand what's the order over here. Hitting, kidnapping, cursing. Is there a connection? That's, I think, one thing we want to think about. Um, another thing we really want to think about is, um, I think we talked about this a little bit last week. Maybe it's not such a good question, but I would hope it would be a good question. And that is, what kind of child, knowing, again, it's not just somebody got so angry, and which in itself is a little something to think about, that... You know, sometimes we give people an excuse. We give them a, 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 a free ride, a, a get-out-of-jail card. Um, oh, they were very upset. Oh, they were very angry. But as angry and upset and out of sorts as the person could be, what kind of person? And I'm not talking about a 9-year-old or a 10-year-old or, or an, even an 11-year-old. not talking about kids that are that they're just so little there's no control at all. I don't mean that. I mean, someone that we consider an adult. Again, in Jewish law, 12 for a girl, 13 for a boy is considered an adult. People nowadays can debate um, if maybe that uh, age limit should be boosted up five, six, seven years. Fine. But I, I don't know. I look at my adult children. I hope you can look at your adult children and say, as angry as they could get at me, could they actually come to hit me? Again, I'm not talking about my uh, seven-year-old who gets so upset at something, and even then. Um, could they actually curse me out? I'm not saying yelling at me, saying they don't like what I'm doing. I'm saying that what, what, whatever would be considered a curse, not just using a curse word, right, or a slur or something. I mean an actual curse. Could your children actually do that to you? And now if the answer to that is yes, um, then we have um, other things we have to uh, help you with. But, But... How could it be that a, again, he's a child, but I'm talking about an adult child, right? How could an adult child go ahead and either hit to wound or curse a parent? Now, by the way, probably the question should be asked, how could you kidnap somebody and sell them? I mean, I know it happens, it was just in the news, that there was um, some, was it sex trafficking or something like that, that they, they were working out of a... Uh, I'm assuming it was a motel in uh, Madison Heights, which is about a 15-minute drive from here. So people do it. But these are really horrible people. You could take a child and sell that child uh, into slave trafficking. I mean, uh, there's all kinds of stories. I mean, this, this unfortunately, we had somebody here from Atlanta um, on the show 
maybe two Super Bowls ago, maybe three. And I was, was it a year ago Super Bowl or two years ago Super Bowl? I don't remember. Um, but go back from Atlanta. Whenever the Super Bowl was in Atlanta. So if that was a year ago, that's when we had a run. If it was two years ago, it was two years ago. That was something she was very involved in the because it seems around Super Bowl time it's something you have to worry about. Um, but what kind of rotten person? How did you become this rotten person? Right? So the answer really has to be that somebody who could who could act this way is clearly an extremely selfish person who has no regard and has no respect for another human being. Just to give you a, a an idea. So, and I've told this story before, but now we're just going to come at it from a different angle. So Yaakov Kamenetsky, a great rabbi from the last generation, he passed away, I believe, around 1986. Um, and he lived uh, deep into his 90s. So he's sitting on a plane next to another older gentleman. This was in the days when you were allowed to move around the cabin freely. So every couple of minutes, one of this um, Rabbi Kamenetsky's grandchildren comes up to see if he needs anything. Can he get him something to drink? Is he comfortable? Um, can he help him with something? Should he get him a blanket? And for the most part, the grandfather told the grandson, I'm fine, thank you very much. Um, you don't have to come by, but it's whatever you want. So this other older gentleman said to this Rabbi Kamenetsky, I don't understand. I also have grandchildren. When my grandchildren see me, they, they head for the hills. They run away. They certainly don't want to be helpful. If, they're on, if they were on a plane with me, they would look at me as a burden. And here I watch your grandchild. It's so beautiful. It's so, like I'm so jealous that your grandchild keeps uh, trying to help you. And he wants to help you. Could you please explain to me your secret? How is it that my grandchildren run away from me and your grandchildren want to help you? So Kavanetsky said like this. He told me, he said, there's a big difference between me and you. My grandchildren look at me and I am of the Jewish faith and we teach our children and we teach them in school and it's in the Bible that God came down on Mount Sinai and gave the Torah to the Jewish people. And millions of people saw God come down and talk to Moses and he talked to the Jewish people and gave us the Torah. And But like all things, as the generations go on, we get further and further away from that seminal event. So my grandchildren look at me, and they know, well, I wasn't by Mount Sinai, but they know that I saw great rabbis from the previous generation who saw great rabbis, or their parents for that matter, who saw their parents or their grandparents, and enough generations back, and it's not so far, by the way, it's not so many generations ago that saw people who were by Mount Sinai. So what happens is the they are further away from Mount Sinai and from God's revelation than I am. Therefore, they honor me. You, on the other hand, you teach your children that man came from monkey. They don't believe in God. So if man came from monkey, so technically... They are further removed from apes than you are. So who's better? So they feel they're better. They don't believe in God anyways. So for what reason should they show you respect? What's in it for them? 
right? Why, why do they look at you and believe that uh, you deserve any kind of respect? And that, by the way, is the answer to the question that we're discussing, right? We believe a person is God's handiwork. We say a person is created what's called B'Tselem Elohim, that there's godliness in all of us, right? Um, and we all have that spark inside of us, right? So if you believe that, that I am God's handiwork, and there is a spark of God inside of me, and there's a spark of God inside of you, so if you believe that, so when you look at a person, you see God's handiwork. I know I used the word just a second ago, but it's really the right word. I see God, or I hope you see God, and that's what you should have been taught. So if you see in this person God, you can't kidnap that person. What do you think, he's a cow? You think it's a, it's a, it's a stack of dollar bills that I stole? This is God you're touching over here. This is what God made. God has part of him inside of this person. How could you possibly kidnap this person? How could you do it? Must be that you don't have a belief in God. You're a godless person. Unfortunately, no one ever taught this kidnapper about spirituality. And... Just one leads to another, right? So it's the same thing. How is it possible that a person could hit their parent? How is it possible? How is it possible that a child could curse their parents? The answer is, if I believe that my parents are, are, are part of God and there's a spark of God in them and they're God's handiwork, so I, I'm just a, another generation removed, right? So, so how could I hit that person? It's impossible. But if I don't believe that this person is just flesh and blood, right? Cows also have children, right? Goats also have children. Apes also have children. Yeah, giraffes also have children, right? So who cares? Like, what's the big deal? So, so, why, so why would I honor them? It's got to be that I recognize that it's not just skin and bones here, but there's a soul to this person. That is the only way possible that I could go ahead and have enough respect that for... I hope for many of us that it's impossible for a child to hit a parent or it's impossible for a child to curse a parent. And that's why, by the way, again, maybe it makes sense. Why is there such a fantastic punishment? Why is there such a strong punishment for somebody who goes ahead and hits a parent, curses a parent, kidnaps? Because you don't believe in God. The punishment is that you don't believe in spirituality. You don't believe or whoever the person I'm talking about is, that that person doesn't believe that there's any spirituality here, there's any soul here, there's any spark here, there's any part of God here. That's the only way it's possible. That's it. Um, so it is interesting. So Shimon Schwab talks about this. And he, so he mentions, interesting enough, he says, the Talmud says that uh, you're supposed to stop dis- disciplining your children somewhere in the 22-year-old range. You know the time of the Talmud. As by that time, you got to let go. They're an adult. Um, everything you could have put into them, every good idea that you had, every, everything you wanted to teach, there comes a time when you must let go. And parents who do not have the ability to let go, then that chi- and that's the personality of the parent. The parent thinks the child is their possession. It's a... Part of, you know, it's uh, one of their pieces of furniture that they own, 
to use and un- unfortunately abuse. And probably that's where a lot of abuse comes from, that parents who think they can do whatever they want to their child um, and they abuse them. And yeah, such a child will grow up and will have the ability to hit a parent and will have the ability to curse the parent. So now whose fault is it? Right? We don't want to blame everywhere, of course, stories and excuses and exceptions. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, so what is the parent's job? Which is, of course, a loaded question because every parent thinks they know what their job is. But um, Rosham Shvadran gave a fascinating answer. How you can figure out if you get it. If you are parenting the way the Torah wants you to parent, and here's the key. And of course, there's going to be two examples, one from the Torah and one from the prophets. Pharaoh, um, and we talked about this a month or two ago, um, he takes Joseph out of jail, takes Joseph out of jail, and he makes him his viceroy, his second in command. He puts him in, in charge of the whole Egypt. And uh, then there's an extra verse. After Pharaoh tells Joseph that you're in command, and he gives him his ring, puts on a necklace, and the linen robes, and the, and the riding the second chariot, Pharaoh repeats himself to say that, Joseph, I'm the guy, I, Pharaoh, have made you in control of my whole country. Now, really, we know that. I mean, the verse just said, Pharaoh took him out of jail, interpreted the dream, and uh, he goes ahead and uh, he tells Joseph, you're going to run my country and you're going to save us from this hunger that's coming and I'm going to put you in a second chariot and I got your wife and, and the gold necklace, which is symbolic of wealth, and I'm giving you my ring and, and no one's allowed to raise their sword, against the, their sword against you and no one can ride your horse. Okay, good. So the Pharaoh went ahead and made him in control. Very clear in the verse. So why repeat... Why is it necessary for the Pharaoh to repeat, Joseph, don't forget, I put you in charge. I made you who you are. Okay, let's hold that thought. Now let's go to another famous story in Prophets. And the basic story you're probably all familiar with was Samson, the super strong, super powerful Samson. So at the beginning of the story, his parents did not have children. And one day an angel comes to the mother and tells the mother, you're going to have a child. And he told her the rules and regulations of how she's going to have to act. She can't have wine and, and uh, she's going to have to make sure that her child doesn't have wine. He doesn't cut his hair because he's a nausea. And uh, comes back a second time because the husband wanted to get the message. And again, the angel tells the parents how they will raise this child. And then the verse says, and they never saw the angel again. So now we have two stories. Both stories, somebody gave somebody else a gift, or at least informed them of a gift. Pharaoh gifts Joseph second in command. The angel informs the parents of Samson, you will have this special child. One reminds... And one never comes back again. And that, my friends, is the difference between good parenting and poor parenting. The two extremes, and of course we all probably fit somewhere in the middle. There are some people that must remind you of everything they gave you. I made you who you are. I brought you into this world. I clothed you. I diapered you. I fed you. I didn't sleep at night over you. 
That's how some people parent. That's Pharaoh reminding Joseph that he made him everything he was. And then you have the angel. The, the angel told these parents who didn't have children, you're going to have a child. And these are the rules and regulations. And that's it. And it never comes back again. He doesn't ask for anything. He doesn't ask for any accolades. He doesn't ask for any thank yous. He leaves. So I'm not saying we should all be like angels. It would be nice. But just imagine, yes, it is true. The child is in this world because of you. And you raise the child and you clothe the child. And yes, they talk about the $200,000 it costs to raise a child nowadays. I know all that. I know it as well as anybody else. But when it's time to let go of our children, what is our attitude? Is my attitude, you owe me because of everything I did for you? Or I don't even mention it. Yeah, you're my child and I love you and I want to help you. And if you ever need anything, please let me know. But you don't owe me anything. I don't walk around with a sign saying, you better remember all the things I did for you. That is, is almost like kidnapping, by the way. It actually fits into the verse really good, right? right? That, if I, I got to be able to let go. And if I can raise my child and my child can feel that as I'm raising him, he doesn't owe me anything. I don't walk around telling my child, you must respect me because of all these things I did for you. If I can raise a child and I can let him go free, that child could never hit you. That's respect. That child could never curse you. It's impossible, right? Because of how you've raised a child and your attitude into your relationship. That's what the Torah wants when it tells a parent to raise a child. And yeah, that child um, won't come to hit or curse a parent. Yeah, the child that will come to, to hit the parent, curse the parent, there was something wrong in how the child was raised. He's still not allowed. And that's the lesson of the Torah the child has to understand with the spirituality we said till now. That's all the things you got to really understand. But you can't remind the child about the debt. And that reminds me of a joke. And that is with the three bears. Unfortunately, the, uh, the three bears were in court. And Mama Bear and Papa Bear have been fighting for years. And they're fighting over custody of Baby Bear. So the judge says to Baby Bear, he says, uh, Okay, do you want to live with your father? (laughs) No way. My father beats me. Okay. If your father beats you, then we will not have you. You do not have to be with Papa Bear. What about Mama Bear? Can you hang out with Mama Bear? Mama Bear? (laughs) She beats me worse than my father. He said, okay, so uh, so baby bear, who, 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 do you have any relatives you can say? We, we can't leave you on the street. Yeah, um, I have an, an Aunt Bertha. Aunt Bertha bear. Oh, yeah, Aunt Bertha bear. Um, where does she live? She lives in Chicago. And you're sure that uh, this, aunt, this, this, this bear from, uh, from Chicago um, won't beat you? Your Honor, the Chicago Bears don't beat anyone. Okay, that's a Detroit joke because we are so jealous that our football team is so poor that we make fun of the Chicago Bears. I'm sure they have a similar joke with the Lions. That's okay. 
uh, we can handle it. But in any case, um, so just again, right? We 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 just want to wrap it up, put a bow on top of it, right? In other words, if we recognize that a person has that spark of godliness in them, if you yourself give the impression and feel and can teach and can show that you have that spark in you, then, yeah, your children are going to respect you. And uh, and they would never come to hit you or curse you. But if you have no spark of God, if you've managed to raise your children to not believe in God and, and that there's no godliness in a person, then we talked about a few weeks ago, they can call you by your first name and they can come to hit you and they can come to curse you. But the music is playing... We gotta wrap it up. I hope, as always, you enjoyed it, short and sweet. Thank you to wonderful, wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to the wonderful production team we have. We have David, Kelsey, and Alan in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I'm Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah and our Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we can.